0: Welcome to the All Things Nintendo Podcast. I'm Brian Shay from Game Informer, and this is a weekly podcast to discuss all the biggest news and games from the world of Nintendo. We are starting to exit the busiest stretch of game releases that I can recall, so I wanted to take this opportunity to talk about some of the games that I know I missed, and maybe some of you did as well. So joining me for that is Game Informer's own Wesley
1: LeBlanc. Wes, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm in a state of perpetual stress because of my backlog, and you have brought me on to discuss that publicly and openly on camera. So I'm feeling great. <laughs> it's going to be therapy. That's what we're that's what we're aiming yeah. for in the main segment. But you yeah. know how we
0: do here. Uh, we are going to lead off with some of the biggest news out of the last week, and you know where we have to start. Nintendo announced on Wednesday afternoon through a uh, just a seemingly out of nowhere news release that they are making a live action legend of zelda movie so it's going to be co-produced by Shigeru Miyamoto and Avi Arad which if you know if you follow the marvel movies at all you know that name he started out in the MCU or not he didn't start out in the MCU he started way before that but like in the early days of the MCU he was producer on all of those like Iron Man and Thor and Captain America Uh, But he's produced almost every Spider-Man movie, or at least produced, sometimes executive produced, every single Spider-Man movie, whether that was the Tobey Maguire trilogy. I believe he was on the Amazing Spider-Man movies with uh, Andrew Garfield. Mm -hmm. He's done both the Spider-Verse movies, and I believe he has also produced all of the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies. He also produced uh, Uncharted, and he is producing the Borderlands movie that is uh, apparently releasing in 2024. Now that the actor strike is over, maybe some of these dates will actually stick.
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh,
0: so he has quite the extensive production uh, credits there in his filmography. We also learned it's going to be directed by Wes Ball, who is the director of the Maze Runner series, which I have not seen a second of. I could not even tell you who is in those movies. I saw uh, the first one. That's He's it. also directing Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, which from my understanding is going to kick off another uh, trilogy of Planet of the Apes movies, which um god what was his name the The guy who did the batman matt reeves, matt, matt reeves he did the original trilogy secretly uh,
1: like, like one of the best modern blockbuster
0: trilogies for sure i remember seeing I have... the first one and absolutely loving it and being like this is one of the greatest like action sci-fi movies i've ever seen and then i didn't watch a single other one of them so i'm sure <laughs> that the other ones are very good as well the first one's like the weakest for
1: sure of the three. oh wow those, those next two are like especially the second one the second one is uh it's wild how good it is has didn't no place the, being that good so i think matt reeves was just a producer on that one right like what didn't
0: james franco direct it I know he like starred in um, it
1: um though the like, first one
0: rise of the planet of the apes let's see. uh um, i can't recall wikipedia now directed no rupert wyatt and uh matt reeves was not uh, hold on Did he only do the
1: first movie? Yeah,
0: Rupert Wyatt only did the first one, and then Matt Reeves took over for the subsequent two. So it's not necessarily a Matt Reeves trilogy then. (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's fair. Uh,
0: But yeah, so that's beside the point. Uh, Avi Arad co-producing with Shigeru Miyamoto, West Ball directing, which uh, seems very out of nowhere. But apparently, if you go back, I I saw that, um, was it Variety? Somebody found an old tweet of his where he yeah. was like, I'm never going to be able to direct an Avatar movie, but I I want to use the technology they used in Avatar for a Legend of Zelda movie. Which is like, what? <laughs>
1: that I wish, was like, I like
0: 2013.
1: Which, I wonder which Avatar. Is, oh, is he talking about James Cameron's Avatar, you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like he wanted to use like the
0: technology they used in the James Cameron Avatar movie. The only one that existed back then.
1: Yeah. And that makes, uh, I mean... I would love for him to get to do that as well, but it sounds like uh, Nintendo's going a different route with this movie. So it was announced uh, on Twitter,
0: and then there was a subsequent press release. But it, it I love when they just put out a tweet that starts with, this is Miyamoto. I saw somebody, uh, God, I wish I could, I, I could remember who it was that said like, when you when they start a tweet with "This is Miyamoto," you know stuff's about to go down. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so here's the quote: it says, "This is Miyamoto. I have been working on the live action film of the Legend of Zelda for many years now with Avi Aradson, who has produced many mega hit films. I've asked Avi San to produce this film with me, and we now officially we have now officially started the development of the film with Nintendo itself heavily involved in the production." It will take time until its completion, but I hope you look forward to seeing it. So, I mean, I, I believe that's kind of similar to how they announced the Mario movie, right? Like, didn't they yeah. just put out like a press release and then we got like later like movie
1: casting, cast, and specific the, directs and everything. Yeah. Um, um, w- weirdly though, I don't, maybe I'm misremembering, rem- mis- but I don't remember them being so forward with the people behind the scenes on that movie with Mario. Whereas this one, they're like, Right off the rip, they're, here's our producer, here's our director, Um, which is interesting because I honestly couldn't tell you the directors of the Super Mario movie, which is kind of lame because they did a very good job. But um, it's an interesting approach, especially because Avi Arad is, you named some great movies he's produced, but he... Uh, is probably like a 50-50 track record. He's also oh, done yeah. Morbius and Venom and that really bad Scarlett Johansson Ghost in the Shell. And... They basically just have, like he's one of Sony's
0: go-to producers. Yeah. And that Which... by the way,
1: that's one we did not touch on is that it is being
0: um, developed in cooperation with Sony. So it's Nintendo Pictures and Sony with Sony doing the distribution. But Nintendo apparently is going to be financing more
1: than 50%. So they're going to be the mm-hmm. majority financier. Still pretty funny that Sony is helping them. <laughs> Meanwhile, Sony has a Call of Duty bundle that is helping Xbox for their PlayStation 5. Uh, the lines are crossing finally. Yeah, we're crossing the streams here. Uh, yeah. Which by the way, new Ghostbusters trailer looks great. Oh yeah, Frozen Empire. I still Frozen haven't Empire. seen uh, Afterlife, but I'm not the biggest Ghostbusters fan. I like the original, but I don't I, understand how I watched how the it's first a... two
0: religiously when I was a kid like I would go over mm. to my aunt and uncle's house and just turn on usually it was Ghostbusters 2 but I've seen the first one probably more more than 10 times in my life as well I did see um the afterlife in theaters and uh very emotional I I got emotional mm. near the end especially somebody who grew up with the originals um very very good movie I'm excited that it's launching a new series um a new, new franchise and Frozen Empire looks great amazing trailer mm. excited to look at that that we, we just go off on tangents. That's what we're doing here today. <laughs> um, so I asked Miyamoto about, like, it, this was back in April when I got to sit down with him and Koji Kondo after the premiere of the Super Mario Brothers movie. And I asked him, like, this is how I closed out my interview, was like, are there any additional Nintendo franchises you think would be good fits for movie adaptations? And we got a typical, like i don't want to announce anything right now but like Mm -hmm. you know it was i don't know maybe there's something here uh quote you probably know that we have nintendo pictures now as a group whenever we create games that's one form of content and when we create animation that's another form of content and we want to continue to expand the amount of content that we can produce in terms of announcing or sharing anything i try to hold off until there's something really good and enjoyable so there's probably nothing to announce in the near future so I ask you to put all your focus on this movie currently. And then he laughed because he's just a, a joyful man. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how he continues to evolve as a producer of films. Because Kyle, Kyle Hilliard has come on here and made the point that Shigeru Miyamoto, as producer of the Super Mario Brothers movie, probably made more money than he did of any video game he's ever created, like any singular video game he's ever created, because that's a that's a $1.3 billion box office. Yeah. Which is huge. That's one of the <laughs> highest grossing animation movies of all time, one of the highest grossing movies of 2023, period. Biggest animated opening of all time, I think. Yeah. So I think that he, he probably did pretty well for himself in producing that. And, you know, I... I have some hesitations on this being a live action movie. I think that I saw somebody sharing like a uh, Studio Ghibli version of Zelda movie. And I was like, wow, that would be unbelievable if like they were able to like collab with them and make like that style. But a Zelda. Oh, my God. That would have been the dream. Live action is going to be tough to pull off. I feel like. Yeah. It's one thing to cast Mario, like a a new voice of Mario. And like, you know, we saw the outrage when Chris Pratt was the voice. And and, as they have revealed it one by one, we're like, what? That guy, Charlie Day is playing Luigi. But eventually, like when you saw the movie, it made sense. Like the voices were fine. They ranged from fine to very good. And it's going to be very tough to see, especially an established celebrity wearing the green tunic and (laughs) carrying around the Master Sword without
1: it being like, this is bad cosplay. Yeah, it's going to be hard to take it seriously. And then you bring in all the other elements, like a live-action Zelda and a live-action Ganondorf. and it's There's so much that could go wrong that it's kind of hard to be excited. But they did a good job with Mario, and it sounds like Nintendo is going to be very hands-on with this because why wouldn't they be Mm -hmm. so like... I mean, Nintendo with Zelda and Mario, at least they don't really miss. So it's hard. I don't On one hand, I'm like, none of this is, I don't know if this is going to work. On the other hand, I'm like, well, it's Nintendo. They're going to do the Nintendo thing. And then, yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't anticipate, especially with a series as important to them as the legend of Zelda. I don't anticipate they're going to go too far down a road where it's like, this is garbage. And like, especially getting to the point of, we're going to show a trailer or we're going to put this out in theaters. If it's a bad movie, like Nintendo is the kind of company that will just probably scrap it if it ends up going poorly. Right. Like yeah. I don't see any way that a just outright bad movie gets out. I could be wrong. Of course, like we could be here two years from now talking about how terrible the Zelda movie is, but I don't anticipate that happening. Like, I, I think that we've seen some very bad video game adaptations. We, I mean, Nintendo itself has had a very bad video game adaptation movie in the first live action mario movie but nintendo was very hands off with that right like they licensed it and that was about it after that they stepped aside and from what i understand shigeru miyamoto had no input on that whatsoever this it sounds like he is going to be calling a lot of the shots
1: yeah i'm curious like you've probably played more zeldas than me because there's a few blank spots in my zelda history but like what, when you saw this news, what was the immediate like, please adapt this storyline, like, don't mess this up, just do this storyline and, and you'll be good. Um, well, you're, like, what popped into your head? You're pulling the rug out for me a little bit, because that is going to be
0: a question <laughs> that we talk about a little bit later in the show. Whoops. Um, but there are definitely ones that I would like to see adapted, but I don't know if they're going to go to the adaptation route. I think they're going to take mm. the lore. I well, we'll talk about it in the in the final segment of this, this episode, but... Uh, We are going to continue monitoring this because I would imagine that in 2024, they're going to start ramping up the like, okay, here's some casting and uh, you know, here's like the release window that you should expect this, maybe get a teaser by the end of next year. Like that, if I had to guess, Uh, of course I have no insight into this. It sounds like it is still a ways off, but who would you cast? Link, I think is a very difficult Character to cast. Yeah. Zelda and Ganondorf, much less difficult, I think. I think if you just do like a big muscular actor <laughs> as Ganondorf, you're gonna do okay. Vin so Diesel. who who do you see as Gan- I mean, I honestly that was where my head went. I was like, all right, you could do like yeah, Vin Dumb. Diesel
1: or like Jason Momoa or somebody. J- like John that, yeah. Cena.
0: Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, hey, I love Peacemaker. I think Peacemaker oh. was incredible. John Cena did a great job. I think that that also was buoyed by his comedy chops, which yes, would yeah. not necessarily come in handy with Ganondorf. But someone like that, you know, like somebody who's just like a good actor, uh, Dave Batista, like mm-hmm. just a, a giant muscular guy who's intimidating in presence, but like also has some good chops to him. Uh, I don't know, like there were, there's been some good ones thrown around, but any that come to mind
1: for you? For Ganon? I don't know. Yeah, I'm kind of, they could just go like the big strong person route, which we've kind of talked about for Zelda. It's funny. Like I think Anya Taylor-Joy who voices Peach would have probably made a good um, Zelda, but I don't think they would do that. Um, I think Hunter Schaefer from Euphoria would be a great Zelda. She's kind of already... Uh, got the Zelda look mm-hmm. and I don't know I, I kind of overall though hope they don't cast celebrities that we are familiar with because I don't know and it's going to be tough to see them in outfits and not be like that's cosplay like you mentioned that and, and I think um it'd be kind of a miss to go with actors who are older oh, I don't know yeah. because they need to be like I don't know almost kids teenagers that kind of age range especially um, for Link Yes, and I really don't want to see like a 28 year old trying to act like a 16 year old, uh, and uh, just for star power's sake, like, hopefully they just cast. I'd, I'd be fine with an unknown if if they if Nintendo's like this person's got the chops, that's our Link. I you've never heard their name before. I'd be fine with that over hearing. I saw a lot of people joking about like Timothy Chalamet uh, as Link because he's kind of got that linkish build and vibe to him and i'm <laughs> he's got, so an, elfish, he's got yeah. an elfish
0: charm to him
1: <laughs> that pinocchio vibe that we love yeah um so yeah i kind of just hope that it's three names that i've never heard of but i see them and i'm like okay i see the i see the vision that nintendo's you know, since, going for
0: since sony and aviarad are involved tom holland is in play
1: yeah i know and it's <laughs> Which like it's very like funny
0: a- because next year he turns 28
1: that's so a non. There's a non-zero chance he's involved, like with this movie. Um, he's just doomed you know, to forever play a young, a young teenager. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm looking at uh, Avi Arad movies, and I keep seeing this Venom poster. Tom Hardy has never really failed at a role, even if the writing's bad, because he yeah. he goes so hard at being just weird, zany, like wild characters. I think he would have fun and do something different with Ganondorf. but. On the other hand, I feel like your first Zelda movie needs to play it straight. Like Ganondorf needs to be the big bad. I don't know if we need Tom Hardy doing Tom Hardy impressions of weird people in their first Zelda movie. But I'd be down for it.
0: What do you think? The, the, the one that I saw that I was like, ooh, that's good. Idris Elba.
1: Ooh, yeah, that would be good. He's we didn't get the, him as
0: James Bond, but we yeah. can get him as Ganon. <laughs> I, I could,
1: I could rule with that. He could, yeah. He would be like the cool, suave, "I'm in control here" type of Gannon. I can yeah, dig that.
0: More like uh, Wind Waker Ganon. Yeah, like, I like that. He's got some, got some, uh, some, some suave to him, you know. Yes, and he is a gamer. <laughs> he's probably played Zelda. So, oh, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, he, he, he knows it. But oh, do you think we get like a uh human? like actual actor ganon like a real live action ganon or do you think they go cgi with it like i mean obviously if, if it turns into beast ganon it's got to be cgi yeah it's, or like but calamity like if, or something like do you that think like some sort of cgi enhancements to whoever ends up actually portraying like a thanos type of uh vibe right like where it's like a large intimidating presence but that is 100 percent josh brolin doing the the mocap and the the facial capture yeah. like do you think we go that route
1: I'd be cool with it, but it would need to look as good as Thanos, which is a very high bar for uh, CGI. Because um, otherwise it could go the other route where we watch a human transform into this beast thing and the CGI doesn't age well. And three years later, we're like, what the heck were they doing with this? Um, I don't know. In my head, I, I it'd be cool if they did something like Calamity Ganon where it's less an actual presence in your face and more just like a general oppression on the area. That way we can kind of like establish more of Link and Zelda. Cause I think Ganon's gonna just be like a screen stealer or scene stealer. Like that's if they do Ganon ride, he'll have so much presence that I'm just gonna want to see more of that. So maybe they subdue him a bit, let us get to know Link and Zelda some. I'd be cool with that. Yeah. I
0: mean there's a lot of different ways they could go. The live action thing is my biggest hesitance just because no. Mario <laughs> Whether you love the story or think it was super bland, Mario was a huge success and it was a well done movie. And it's difficult to, I think it's easier to pull off an animated movie for a video game adaptation than it is a live action one, especially one with as many fantastical elements as the Zelda franchise. Like if they put out like a, I don't know, like a, a Grand Theft Auto movie. And they said it's live action. I would have a lot less concern for that than I do a Zelda movie because (laughs) there's just there's a lot of like animation specific things that I could picture in my head that make it difficult to picture that in live action. But Mm
1: -hmm. who
0: knows? Shigeru Miyamoto has done just magic. In his career, and uh, I know that movies are a new frontier for him, but he did it once with the Mario movie and hopefully he'll do it again with the Zelda movie and we have no idea when this is coming out it could be 2027 it could be end of 2024 for all we know he said it's been in uh, in in production for many years Uh, there was a report that Avi Arad visited Nintendo's headquarters to pitch them on the Mario movie back in 2014 I think it was. Mm. Uh, and apparently that did not come to fruition. They ended up going with Universal instead of Sony on that. But I wonder if they pivoted, like, hey, we've seen your work on like Spider-Man movies. Maybe we could do something with uh Zelda. So mm-hmm. maybe that was the start of the conversation when they decided to like start moving the ball forward on uh on, on a Zelda movie. Maybe it was like, hey, we're not gonna give you Mario, but how about Zelda?
1: Maybe in a few years when this movie comes out, we finally get Wind Waker and Twilight Princess on Switch.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They'll finally have an excuse to (laughs) give it to
1: us. Uh, Let's move on from
0: that uh, gaming news from Nintendo. They released their newest earnings report, and we have an updated top 10 list of Switch games. I like doing this every three months whenever they release their quarterly earnings uh surprise surprise mario kart 8 deluxe still selling gangbusters we just got the final wave of dlc up to 96 tracks all the new characters it's unbelievable and it's paying dividends because it has sold more than uh two and a half or no one and a half million units over the last three months and uh sitting strong number one 57 million units sold uh Number two is Animal Crossing New Horizons, which is slowing down a little bit on the sales front. Looks like it's only sold about a half million in that time. Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, also just over like about three quarters of a million in that time. Breath of the Wild still at number four. Surprisingly, still selling decently, right? Like uh, even with Tears yeah. of the Kingdom on the on the table.
1: Probably got uh, a good boost right before Tears of the Kingdom. People that yeah, maybe but that enlisted. would not have been
0: in this quarter.
1: Oh, yeah, you're right, actually.
0: Yeah, so and then Mario hmm. Odyssey... Number five, Sword and Shield. Number six, right on its tail, is Scarlet and Violet. That's uh, less than three million units behind it. It's starting to outpace Sword and Shield, which is, I mean, Sword and Shield only sold, only, it only only sold about 100,000 units in that time, whereas uh, Scarlet and Violet sold about three three quarters of a million.
1: I think Scarlet and Violet's going to overtake between the two DLCs that'll probably be included in the next financials. Yeah. I think so. Super Mario Party still holding strong in the
0: top 10 over Tears of the Kingdom at number nine.
1: Barely. uh, It's
0: gaining fast. It's gaining fast on Super Mario Party. And then number 10, New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe, which I have a feeling is going to be overtaken by Super Mario Brothers Wonder, which is not on there. And that's because this is as of the end of September, which uh, Super Mario Brothers Wonder was not yet out. So uh, we do have some early sales numbers for that game and surprise, surprise. It's good. So in its first two weeks, it sold 4.3 million copies, making it the fastest selling super Mario game of all time. And uh, Nintendo did say that they believe that a lot of that was thanks to the success of the super Mario brothers movie earlier this year, people were itching for a new Mario game and they gave it and look what happened. It sold a lot of copies. Uh, And then meanwhile, the Switch has sold another 3 million units over the last three months, bringing it up to 132.46 million units. And Switch software sales now sit at 1.133 billion units. It's a lot of units. Uh, So what are your big takeaways from here? Any surprises?
1: Um, No surprise. Well, actually, kind of one uh super mario wonder at 4.3 million in two weeks being the fastest selling super mario game in the series which there's a caveat they've only been collecting this data since the wii and ds generation um but i i don't think anything before it probably outsold 4.3 million in two weeks no no especially since mario was not quite at that level
0: of prestige in the early days of the nes yeah um and also the n64 while it had some decent sales up front and I, I think that mario was bundled with a good amount of n64s maybe that's the only one that could have challenged it maybe super mario world but yeah like i i remember the super nes since both those were uh launch titles they were probably hard to find so it probably would not have sold 4.3 million copies in that yeah. those first first two weeks
1: but yeah it being the fastest selling is kind of surprising to me i I guess I kind of overestimated the sales of Mario and I got that extra highlighted to me today because I wrote a story about Sony's latest financial results, which reveal that Spider-Man two has sold more than 5 million in 11 days, which makes it faster selling than super Mario Bros. Wonder, which was the fastest selling Mario game, which tells me that Marvel's Spider-Man two is just a bigger deal than Mario. But like on a pop culture level, I would have guessed that Mario would sell better than pretty much anything, but it seems at this, at this pace, like I think Zelda is more of a cash cow than Mario is lately. And I don't know if maybe it's a 2D Mario thing or something, but, uh, and these numbers are great. I just, I don't know. I, they seemed uh, smaller than Mario's zeitgeist in pop culture would suggest. Well, just for comparison, The Legend of Zelda tears the kingdom sold over 10
0: million units in the first three days.
1: So that, yeah, that's kind of wild. I I saw a a chart. It wasn't in their official documents. Somebody had um, made it themselves. Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom together have sold more than, either sold more than or almost more than the rest of the entire Zelda series. Wow. Um, Which is, uh, yeah, it's crazy what one good transformation for a series can do for its entire lifetime um but yeah that's like the big takeaway for me is uh i would have guessed mario would sell 10 million in like a week um not that 4.3 million is anything to scoff at uh and then other than that the switch i wonder if nintendo is going to push to beat the ds like 20 million is right on the cusp of we could if we if we stretch this out a couple more years we could but but i don't know we all signs point to new gen hardware coming next year which will slow down switch sales so well
0: nintendo has been pushing out a lot of bundles lately i think that's Mm -hmm. probably with like they're they probably see that and they're probably thinking like it might be a little out of reach given like the timeline that they are probably going to be releasing a successor to the switch but maybe they're like "Eh, let's just put out some bundles for the holiday season and really go for it i I don't know if 20 million is going to be possible but hey they just sold three million in three months yeah so
1: are we talking about a story you kind of just alluded to with Switch bundles and stuff? I'm no?
0: not going to talk about Switch bundles, but I did want to talk about that uh, that Switch successor because during that earnings call, uh, this by the way, this comes uh, by way of a translation by Everything or uh, Nintendo Everything, and uh, President Shuntaro Furukawa was talking about the rumors that the Switch was being shown off at behind closed doors, and he said, "quote." the rumors online that appear to be public information are not accurate. So not an outright denial that they haven't shown anything, but like basically a good roundabout way to be like, don't believe everything you read.
1: (laughs) Well, I don't believe him for one second.
0: Yeah. Because they obviously (laughs) want to keep the ball rolling. And I firmly believe that we're going to this time next year, we are either going to be on the cusp of a new Nintendo uh, console or talking about a new Nintendo console that we are playing currently.
1: For sure. Like, and he had, I don't think he's lying with that quote, but like as as long as one piece of information from those reports that came out of GamesCon is incorrect, he can say the reports are not accurate, which I think is the case because I, the people that were reporting that are very trustworthy sources and there were various sources, not just one person. And they've done this before with like the DS, I think, or maybe the three DS reports came out about what it was. And Nintendo was like, no, 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 those aren't real. And then like a month later it was, oh, those were real. Um and like you mentioned, they have to, you know, they have their own protocols and investors to answer to. They can't just spill oh, yeah. the beans because somebody reported on it. But they're a publicly um, traded company, so Yeah. In no way do I believe that necessarily I, I do think people have seen the switch successor in the development community and i think it's coming
0: next and year they, um, they did talk about or uh, furukawa also talked about that uh patent that came out that was like oh yeah. well it's going to be like kind of the clamshell design and then you close it and then there's a screen on the outside for portable play or uh not portable play for a uh, tv play so you still have the second screen experience and basically he was just like look we when we applied for that patent, we knew that was going to become public information. We just thought it was a good idea to patent. Uh, we don't we we aren't able to confirm if we're ever going to use it or if we're going to use it in the near future or whatever. And that's the nature of patents, right? They're public, yeah. but they're ne- maybe will never be used. There's been stuff on uh, the switch patents that were were filed, never used for the switch, but they were like conceptually something that was adapted for the switch.
1: Yeah. I I mean, a lot of people cover patents because it is exciting to see what companies might be doing. But yeah, it's important to like, look at patents as just that. There's no guarantee they're coming out. Like you said, these companies know it's public. And if they have a cool idea, why not patent it? They've got the money to do so. Maybe they want to touch it one day, maybe they don't. But I've never seen a patent and been like, oh yeah, that's happening. It's Mm -hmm. just a a realm of possibility. And uh, just... Closing out here, we did talk
0: a little bit about the bundles and you brought up uh you know there were there were some that I did not put on the rundown here, but uh you know, we hit the Smash Brothers one. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's an OLED
1: console with some I don't think those Smash JoyCon have been around for a minute. But I don't think they're new either.
0: Um, I think that they are either repurposed or slightly tweaked from the original. But yeah, uh, do we get any others this week or are they all kind of like in recent weeks? It's all all the time. is starting no, yeah. to blend together.
1: Uh, earlier this week, Monday, basically, they announced the Switch OLED bundle for Smash Ultimate with the Smash Ultimate Joy-Con. And then a Super Mario Party bundle, which includes the Mario Red and Mario Blue Joy-Con for $100. Bucks. Um, that's notable because it's the first time that, those two colors have made their way stateside together. You've been able to get those in Japan, and you could import them if you wanted to have that combo, um, but this is the first time that you can do so. It's 100 bucks, so you're paying 30 bucks for Super Mario Party in the bundle. Um, and yeah, they've got other black... It was basically their Black uh, Friday sales coming out, um, discounting a bunch of games and stuff like that.
0: Also, Super Mario Party is not the good one, if I'm not mistaken. It, I think it's Mario correct. Party Superstars. I, I always confuse yes. those two, but... Uh, that's also the one that's selling better, Super Mario Party,
1: which is yeah the one that they just let die. They they released it and didn't do anything with it, and we were all like, "Why?"
0: Yep. Well, Wes, that is going to wrap up our news segment for this episode. We're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, I'm going to give some impressions about some games I've missed during the busy season. You're going to chat about what your backlog has been like in recent weeks. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. After the absolute onslaught of video games that have hit over the last 60 or so days, I hope you will forgive me for missing a few exciting releases, but we're going to try to do our best and hit several of them in this segment, chat about some of the games I've been spending my evenings catching up with over the last few days. So, uh, Wes, I have, oh boy, six games that I'm going to give some very brief thoughts on. And I know we're gonna we're gonna wrap up with you uh, chatting about what you've been playing a little bit, but uh, let's just jump right in here. First one I have spent a little bit of time with is Nickelodeon All Star Brawl Two, and uh, this is a game that I believe I've talked about on this podcast before. And I don't have a whole lot more to share about this besides I have played the Switch version, and I, I do enjoy the 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 combat. I think they've done a great job fixing a lot of like the complaints that I had about the original Nickelodeon all-star brawl. It felt kind of like, I don't know, like this is a worse version of super smash brothers and they had a lot to learn, but this one feels a lot better. It, it it plays so much better. The voice acting from the start, like from the, because basically when the first one launched, there was no voice acting whatsoever. And it just felt really empty. Like, it's like, okay, we have all these iconic characters from Nickelodeon, And none of them make any sounds because they didn't have the voice actors. And in a wild turn of events, they actually course corrected and went as a free post-launch patch, got all these iconic voice actors to come in and record lines for these characters. And they put it out as a post-launch patch and it made it sound and feel so much better. And then they added a bunch of DLC characters that a lot of people wanted. Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl 2 starts where all-star brawl one finished so it's already got a very strong foundation uh they all have the voice acting they actually got rid of a lot of the characters from all-star brawl one and then all-star brawl two adds i think like of like the 20 something characters like 14 (coughs) or 15 of them are all new yeah and like i forget which turtles they were because like you know Nickelodeon owns the ninja turtles now which is kind of mind-breaking for me (laughs) at this point but like you know you can it was like it had April O'Neil and like two of the turtles. Now they have April O'Neil and the other two turtles that were not in it. I'd love to have all four of them personally in, in there, but I get it. Yeah, I get it. You don't want to have like, you don't want to use like a quarter of your roster to devote to one show when you have the entire Nickelodeon stable. Um, but the, the combat, the, the, the fighting it's, it's a platform fighter, like super smash brothers. Um, in case people have not played this game, it feels very good. Uh, the, the, there's a new slime meter that you can use to like, when it fills up like a, a quarter of it, it, you can like power, or a, a, it's like three meters, right? One will allow you to supercharge one of your specials. The other one I think allows you to parry. And then the third one lets you do a cinematic kind of like ultimate move that's character specific, but it's not like a one hit KO unless you're like the characters have high damage. And uh, there's also a roguelite, campaign, which I'm excited about. I'm the most excited about that one. I've played a little bit of it and it's nice because you, as you go through, you unlock new characters. You start out as just SpongeBob and you're fighting like minions of like other shows. So like you're fighting, you start off fighting jellyfish and then by like the third stage, you're fighting like jellyfish and foot ninjas from Ninja turtles. And then like other like minions that aren't even playable in the main roster start showing up. So that's kind of neat that like they, they pull from all these, the, the, the different universes that they have and then uh, there's boss battles in there, but you, as you progress, you know you unlock new characters to play as. You unlock power ups. Like I had one where it was like any projectile explodes on impact and it causes five extra damage, which is is very powerful. Um, and then if you die, some of those carry over to the next run, while other power ups have to be repurchased as you go. So it is nice in that way. I, I like that a lot. My big problem with this. Is I was playing the Switch version. <laughs> yeah, I've seen <laughs> the videos. Yeah, that's the one that applies to the people listening to this podcast. And, you know, I, I started it up and I was like, oh, okay, did my Switch freeze? And no, it was just sitting on a black screen load for probably about 30 seconds before the menu even loaded. And then even after that, the menu was a little laggy and the load times going into battles was longer than I would like. It's not quite Mortal Kombat 1 levels of load times, but it was pretty rough. And then uh, the frame rate when you're actually in the fights is not like slideshow by any stretch, but it's definitely not great. Oof. And it that's, I think, pretty important in a game like this. I yeah. did reach out to the developer and I asked, like, hey, like this is my experience. Is the team planning on fixing this? And they, they said that, they actually, he shared a blog post that the highest priority right now, they're they're planning a patch for all of them, but the biggest one is that the Switch, they're going to try to improve the load times and the performance. So if you're looking at playing this game right now, I would say check out like the PS5 or Xbox Series X version, even the PC version, but on Switch, I would not recommend it just yet maybe at some point they will get the switch version playing and looking good I mean it does look good like if you just look at like stills like it looks kind of on (laughs) par with it but like once you see the gameplay running it's like oh boy yeah it's not like Mortal Kombat 1 where like you could see a screenshot and be like oh yeah this looks like garbage compared to the other ones like you actually have to see this in action in order to really see like the dip in performance but the the foundation is there. I think it's going to be a good game if on Switch, if they can get those performance issues and load times ironed out. But uh, yeah, that is out now on Switch and every other major platform. So the next one I want to talk about is a, a game that I did not anticipate ever playing, but I uh, I checked it out. It's called Fashion Dreamer.
1: Oh, nice. have you heard about this one? I no? have. Yeah, I've seen. Uh, I follow a few people on Twitter who are like genuinely this is their jam and it looks like your jam if this is your jam
0: so yeah it's a very different game from anything i've ever played basically you create a little avatar and you run around this like kind of like hyper fashionable fashionalized. i don't that's not a word but uh it is like version of what looks like tokyo i guess but like you're running around and like you meet these people and you can like dress them up and like they'll tell you like, oh i want something like with vibrant colors or i love the color green or i want sand an outfit with sandals or an outfit with a lot of accessories and you can buy clothes at the stores or they'll like they'll have like some of their favorites that they already have and you can create an outfit for them and like based on that they will give you a rating and then you'll get like different in-game currencies that you can use to like play a game of bingo or uh, unlock different uh, clothing and everything like that. It's just, it's a bizarre game. It it feels like almost a a dreamlike state that you exist in while you're playing it because you're just running around making outfits for different people. And like, they all have like archetypes. Like one is like, oh, this is a mom. And then like you make it and they'll like have like like a, well, they'll have very like, hamming it up in that archetype like voice lines like that are just Mm. text bubbles that appear when you talk to them and like i made like this mom like this very like flashy outfit and she's like oh this is very flashy for me i don't think i'd be able to pull it off maybe on a date night or something (laughs) and then like you if you like like something that somebody's wearing you can actually like get it in your inventory and then you can go and like pose and like take pictures in your outfits that you're wearing and it's as you do all this like you're becoming an influencer so like you're getting followers uh, on like some anonymous social media or uh, some unnamed social media and uh yeah i mean if that sounds like it's up your alley it's (laughs) it's certainly not something that
1: is like typically what i would play but i'm having a good enough time with it I I could use this game because my my form of therapy my highest form of therapy right now is retail therapy. I love buying clothes, um, <laughs> and the like. So maybe I need a game like this to to stop spending real money on clothes I don't need. This was the game that also while I was at PAX West, I tried it out, and
0: the voice line or the the dialogue box that popped up with one of the people just had me blankly staring at the screen for 30 seconds where i found this young girl and she goes i just learned that the moon is waning is the earth waning too and i just stared at the screen what? and thought about that for about 30 seconds on the, the crowded show floor of pax west
1: do you answer does it have do you no? An- then you oh, just okay. go and
0: create an outfit for her It's like, I never thought about the earth earth is waning. That was something I did not expect (laughs) in a a game about dressing up anime characters and becoming an influencer. (laughs) But yeah, that is out now on Switch. Uh, Another game that I checked out is uh, Thirsty Suitors. Now, I think you checked this out at uh, Summer Game Fest, right?
1: Yeah, and I'm actually about... Two to three hours in it as well. Um, Oh,
0: great. So uh, I'll let you talk about this. I mean, I'll give you the rundown where basically you play a character, a woman who has recently gone through a breakup and returning to her hometown. And I'm pretty early in, but like the first thing you do essentially after like answering like some questions about like your personality and like your dating life is in, and you do this while you're skateboarding through like a like her subconscious for some reason <laughs> and uh but you go to a diner and you encounter a man who was like your ex-boyfriend from third grade yeah and you proceed to have a turn-based combat with him that is represent representing a kind of a a a argument or a dialogue or some sort of like he's hitting on you and you're trying to fend off his advances and like trying to deflect or like catch him off guard and like you have to defeat him <laughs> in turn-based combat slash defeat his advances because he is a thirsty suitor of yours after he finds out that you are single now and uh it is it's wild man like yeah. I, I don't it's, know um,
1: it's an eclectic mix of stuff it's very It's clearly inspired by Persona. Like you, at like the beginning when you do that little subconscious quiz thing, you get like uh, a—I forget what they call it—but basically like a a guiding light. Maybe I don't know. I got the star, which means I'm like um, very out, outwardly talkative and like exposed to people and that kind of stuff. Um, And that kind of guides your like character archetype. And then yeah, you—it's one third a game where you skate around and. Uh, do tricks on a very rudimentary system it's not too intense and it's it's not tony hawk no i'm not like the biggest fan of the skating but you don't have to do it you can skip it or just it's how you get around town it's one third combat which as you mentioned is turn-based with um what's the game series that does it i know sea of stars recently did but like you do uh button presses during mario rpg does it lost odyssey does it yeah, and they're 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 pretty simple, but it, it kind of keeps combat a little more hands on than a traditional turn based. If turn based usually turns you off, and then the other third is a cooking game where you do you know prompted button presses, cooking with your mom to impress her because uh, your mom is uh, a tough cookie to crack. You have a, a a tough relationship with her, and she's kind of not judgmental, but like wants what's best for you and doesn't know if you're doing those things. Um, and so while you're cooking, you're trying to impress her and like, you know, grow that relationship now that you're back in town. Meanwhile, you have a great relationship with your, with your dad. You're kind of definitely like a daddy's girl type of character. Um, and yeah, your goal is to basically come into contact with all your exes and reevaluate how not great of a person you Jala has been towards them. And that's kind of like the journey is okay. Maybe the issue with these relationships I've been in that didn't work out might have been me and 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 trying to find out what I did wrong in those relationships. Um and it's really fun. It's it's quirky. I think it's short because I'm two hours in and it already says I'm 33% of the way done. So mm. six to seven hours. Um it's, but it's, it's fun. almost it's,
0: reminds me like part persona as you mentioned. Yeah. Part Catherine, if you've ever played <laughs> yes, Catherine, yeah. which is another another game uh from Atlas. And then part uh Scott Pilgrim.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure.
0: Like with the, Anytime all you're the next and, yeah. and you're fighting them, yeah. So there's definitely... And then the skateboarding, I, I don't want to say part Tony Hawk just because it's skateboarding, but I can't think of yeah. an example to compare the skateboarding to. Um, it's, it's definitely I mean, not on that level. Of-
1: yeah, you're just using the left stick to do tricks and then you can hold R2 to do other tricks. It's really your way of getting around and you can also do tricks. Um, and there's some challenges associated with that, but um, I really like it. It's one of my favorite indies of the year uh, in a very crowded year, which is high praise for me. Um, and it's an interesting look at like South Asian culture, which mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with, uh, as much cause I am not South Asian. Um, but it's fun like diving into this family dynamic that's different and, and cooking all these, uh, awesome recipes that I wish I could cook. Um, and yeah, it's a good look at relationships and, you know, the 21st century and different family archetypes and, um and it's it's really pretty it's a strange art design like it's very it different is. but i like it it's it's kind of in a scott pilgrim-esque way it's very loud and in your face um and i'm, I'm a big fan of it. It's, it's one i'm gonna finish before the end of the year for sure
0: yeah I'm, I'm having a great time with it as well i'm very like i said pretty early on definitely earlier than you i haven't gotten to any of the cooking stuff yet but uh yeah it's available now on switch and other platforms and then uh, let's bring one that's uh, that, that's a brand new game that is using a whole bunch of novel concepts to a game that is from the, I mean, late 70s, early 80s, but has been remade for modern consoles. And that is Berserk Recharged.
1: Oh, nice. I so knew this was out. Yes,
0: yeah, so this is from Atari. Uh, part of their Recharge series where they take kind of like their older games and remake them, but also keep like a lot of the sensibilities of the original Um they just recently acquired the berserk ip i think that was only like two or three months ago right that they did that so this is this is pretty fast moving and i'm mixed on this because berserk is one of my favorite like old school like very old school before i was born old school arcade games used to play it all the time with my dad we had a like a kind of an arcade uh machine in our house that had like whole bunch of games on it and everything and berserk was one of them we would play each other back and forth and like i would get home from school and i'd play it and i'd beat his high score and he'd come home from work and i'd tell him i'd beat his high score and he would like change out of his work clothes and come back down and start trying to beat my high score and it became like a, a really fun like back and forth between us and uh i was really excited for this because like you know i love that game i have a lot of nostalgia for it but while it plays well, like there's some cool power-ups they've added that weren't in the original. There's like a dash version or a dash move that you can do in this. There's a health bar now, whereas before it was one-hit KOs. Ooh. I think there's something lost in the the mm-hmm. modernization of this game. The The soundtrack is good, but the original game, I think there was something to its minimalism. Like yeah. all you heard were the robot voices telling saying catch the intruder catch the humanoid and then you just hear the sounds of laser beams right that's all you heard there was something hypnotic about it this has kind of like the adrenaline pumping like kind of edm music and i like that on its own but in the context of this game I don't know how much I love. They also got rid of the, the the robot voices, which I I really miss because there was something great about that. And I looked in the audio options; I didn't see a way to turn it on or like, like I, I would have loved it if that was just like an op like an optional thing, right? Like yeah, have robots just telling you that. And there's multiplayer in this, which is great. Uh, the biggest thing that I don't like about this game is the modern art style. The original was just like kind of like, you know, single color pixel characters as they go throughout the the world and it was one hit KO. All you heard were the laser beams and the the robots talking. And even if you ran into walls, you died. Like it was super hard. And now it 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 definitely has the modernization of like you can run into walls, you can use the walls for cover. The by default, you have um a health bar which takes multiple hits. And there's the power-ups and everything. So it does, it, it kind of feels sanitized. Like the art style just does not click with me at all. Like the little guy that runs around that you're controlling, just, he looks like a, I don't even know what to describe him as. Like, he looks like a little like ranger and I don't yeah. like it. Like I, I wanted to see it just like a, a I don't know. I feel like it would have been better off if they kept like more of a rudimentary art style than what, they, what we got, which feels kind of like one of those like, shovelware indie titles that you would see pop up on steam and be like okay this is like a ripoff of this game it, yeah. it that's almost what it feels like right it, it plays well but it looks like a non
1: licensed indie ripoff of berserk and yeah the the 3d depth is like they added like a, it's a different perspective than the original game it's still like that top-down look but because there's depth and 3d-ness to it yeah, it's a totally different look. I'm looking at side-by-sides right now, and I can see like, what you're talking about. I was
0: ready to tell my dad, who you know has a PS4, oh, you should buy this, and I don't know how much he would like it, just because of that. it's still a mm. twin-stick shooter and everything, and pull the right trigger to, to fire. I I just Maybe I'll bring my Switch next time I see my parents, I like think it's going to be over Christmas, and see what he thinks as somebody who had played berserk back in the early eighties before I was born. And like, you know, I, I, grew up with it, obviously playing with my family, but like, I don't know. I'm mixed on this one because the gameplay feels good. Some of the power-ups are fun. Some of the uh, optional missions that you can do on the side. They're, they're fun. And I just don't like the presentation at all of this one,
1: but yeah, it's tough to bring back something. So like, so rooted in nostalgia. Cause it's, Thirty-four years old, and try to modernize it. It's it doesn't seem to go too well too often. I just wouldn't have minded having like
0: an option to have like a more rudimentary Mm -hmm. art style, or like kind of like the you can turn down the music if you want it that way. But uh, even just having the robot voices would have gone a long way for me and keeping the nostalgic feel to it. I don't know, like Berserk Recharged. It's just it's I don't know. I'm not in like a rush to recommend it to my dad the way I thought I was going to. Yeah. Uh, Let me look up what what does it cost here? Because I don't think I mean it's definitely not a full price title. It's only ten bucks on Steam, so I'm assuming it's the same Mm -hmm. price on eShop. So if you want to check it out, if you have any memory of Berserk back in the day, then maybe this is something you want to check out. But I was not I wasn't blown away by this one. Is all I'll say. Um, Two more that I want to talk about, both indie titles. Uh, Number one, Cobalt Core. Have you heard about this one? I have not even heard of this game, no. This is an interesting one for me. So it's a space battling game. And, you know, you control a ship and you you build a deck of cards. And some of them have, like, all right, you, you build up a shield. Other times, it's you can see, like, an attack is incoming on the next turn. It's turn-based. And you play a card that's going to have it. So you move, like, three spaces to the right. So that hopefully that'll avoid the incoming attack. Or... If you think you can take the attack and like this attack will destroy the ship that you're fighting, then you can play this card that's going to like do three damage to the the enemy or whatever. And like in turn, you'll probably end up taking the attack. You, it's all about positioning, all about like using your cards that you have in your hand to, to do the most effective attack. You have a certain number of cards you can play per turn. And uh, there's a story playing out with these, these characters on this ship as they're trying to you know, just kind of escape and, and, and live. I think they're trying to escape like their, their, their planet they were on, but you know, it's, it's, it's a fun game. It's a, it's a game that I discovered while I was uh, out at PAX West as well. And uh, I went up to a, a, one of the booths and I talked to the PR person and I was like, all right, what are like the two games I should check out? And it was this and Rift of the Necrodancer that I played Mm. and i i love both of them i'm glad that this game is finally on my actual switch and uh you know i could see myself pouring a lot of hours into this i just haven't had time because i've been trying to check out so many different games there's actually three other games that i have not had a chance to play yet that i wanted to include in this episode and unfortunately i just have not had time to get to them uh but yeah cobalt core definitely one that i would say fans of deck builders fans of turn-based RPGs would want to check out. Uh, it's a nice twist on uh, combat in that way. But yeah, it's out now and uh, recommend checking it out. And then this last one, Wes, maybe you played this one because this is one that's been on the GI radar for a while. Dave the Diver. I haven't, but it's, it's like high up on my list of indies to check out. So this recently came to Switch. It's been on Steam for most of this year. And uh, our own editor-in-chief, Matt Miller, reviewed it for us. I think he gave it an 8.75 out of 10. It's one of the, the more exciting games of this ilk. And basically, it's a, a, a two-part game, kind of like Thirsty Suitors is a three-part game. <laughs> this is a, a game of two halves here. For the first half, you're diving down under this underwater, and you're catching fish, collecting resources. And then you come up and you deliver your resources to the local sushi restaurant where you then you, you're waiting tables. There's a sushi chef that you are assisting, and it becomes like it goes from like kind of a an underwater exploration and combat game to a game where you are basically doing diner dash. If you ever played that game, you're, you know, you're kind of managing all the different patrons that are coming in the restaurant. You're having to, you know, they place an order. You'll, you'll see like this is what they ordered and then like the sushi chef will be making it. And then as that pops up, you have to go over to the sushi chef, grab it, bring it to the person in time before like they get mad that they took so long. Some of them will also order drinks that you have to pour. And that's a little mini game where like you tilt the stick in the direction and you have to pour it to fill to a certain line. And the closer you get to the line, the more points you get. And, uh, you know, you up, you, as you explore underwater, you get, like, better weapons that you can use. Like, you have a harpoon gun, and you have, like, a... a starts off as a knife, but you can upgrade that to uh, other uh, weapons. Some of the fish will attack you. <laughs> like, there's, like, a puffer fish. So if you get too close, it'll hurt you. Um, I haven't gotten deep enough that, like, there's, like, sharks or anything. But I would imagine, like, you're going to find, like, more dangerous water or, yeah, water life um, as you go under deeper and deeper i'm assuming i'll be able to upgrade my oxygen tank and everything because right now my oxygen tank does not allow me to go all that deep Hmm. but i bet that like as i progress i'm going to get upgrades to that just i'm getting to the weapons but i am loving this i'm not quite as high as some people have been where they're like this is one of the best games of the year but yeah it's ask that it could very well land on my top 10 by the by the time that the uh i I play a little bit more of it but this is one that has been on my radar and like I actually bought it on steam when Matt was talking about how good this game is. And he was writing his review and I just never got around to it because I don't like playing games on my PC since it's also my workstation. And I don't want to sit at this chair any longer than I have. That's why I haven't fired up city skylines two yet, even though I love that first one. I think that first one is the best city builder ever. And, I have been waiting for city skylines too. And it's finally out. It sounds like they've patched a lot of the problems they had early on. So now's the time to dive into it, but I just haven't because I can't force myself to sit in this chair any longer than I already have to. Yeah. So I was waiting for this to come to switch. It finally did. And I'm glad I'm devoting time to it.
1: Yeah. So- I'm going to check it out for sure. I-, I think I own it on somewhere. Um, yeah, it's, I don't think it's gonna be for me because I just in either direction of the game's two parts I not really I don't typically vibe with those, mm. but it's also one of those games where I've heard a lot of people say like, hey, even if you don't think you'll like this, you should try it because it, it'll hook you um, and yeah, it's good like you mentioned it's a lot of people's one of their favorites this year, like I'm, probably the standout indie of the year off it's the top one of, of my them head. for sure
0: yeah. Um, one thing that I'm bummed about after I did this, uh, cause I mentioned Diner Dash is a game that it reminds me of after playing like for a couple hours of Dave, the Diver, I was like, man, Diner Dash has to be on switch, right? And it's not, I was actually very surprised by that, but I mean, I guess that is a very old game and probably not a lot of people remember it, but it seems like that would be a perfect fit for the switch.
1: I wonder, it hasn't had anything in a while, has it?
0: I think maybe it had a mobile title a few True, years yeah. back, but like before that, it was like the most recent release was like Xbox Live Arcade, which is where I fell in love with it. it. Was like back in the Xbox 360 days when Xbox Live Arcade was like brand new. Diner Dash was like one of the first big hits, and I was like, okay, this rules. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Day the Diver is maybe my favorite out. Of- oh, it's definitely my favorite out of the list that I went over. But Thirsty Suitors is also one that I'm. Very much enjoying Cobalt Core. Oh God, yeah, I forgot about that. That's also that's my top three. I don't know what order it probably goes: Dave the Diver, Cobalt Core, then Thirsty Suitors as my top three. Um, But Wes, what have you been playing?
1: Oh gosh, so much, too much. Um, My current, uh, I've, I am not the kind of person like you're. Everything you just described there like stresses me out. Playing six different games, just dipping in and dipping out is tough for me because i for whatever reason force myself to finish games even if i'm like not vibing with it uh, i used to be that way and i finally had
0: a paradigm shift in my mind because i used to do a thing every year or at least for like two years andrew reiner and i former editor-in-chief of game and former andrew reiner we would do a like not a competition but like we would publish articles at the end of the year how many games we finished yeah. And I would get up to like something like 60, I think. That's wild. And now it's just like, no, I'm not. I, I've maybe finished like 10 games this year at most. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I'm so much happier now.
1: <laughs> I, I need to do that. Cause I often play games that I don't like. I have nothing to say about them afterwards. Cause I didn't like them and I'm not going to just publish a story. That's like, I didn't like this. Um, and I'd force myself to play through it. And sometimes that's like a 40 hour game and I beat it and I'm just empty. Uh, and i haven't been able to break away from it um with all that said my current uh game that i'm playing i'm very happy to be so obsessed with it which is alan wake 2 um mm. i'm pretty sure i'm very close to beating it i'm trying to get the platinum trophy along the way um that's like my that's my current play i'm not even really playing too much else uh in my off hours because i just want to beat that because i know it's probably my game of the year and i am i just i can't get enough of it frankly i started for the first time ever i'm watching the first season of true detective because i need more of whatever alan wake is giving me and that seems to be i
0: answer. have played several hours of alan wake 2 and i mean this is a nintendo podcast i don't is the original alan wake remastered on switch i don't even think it is i don't think so oh it is alan wake oh. remastered is on switch alan wake oh, 2 would make your switch burst into flames if it tried to play it It it's one of the most (laughs) graphically impressive games i've played Mm -hmm. and i we don't want to dwell on this too much since the nintendo podcast but alan wick 2 is impressing the heck out of me like it is one of those games that like after every chapter when they play some music I just sit there and listen to the entire song yeah, because it's just such same. a good vibe. There's there's some real good bangers on that soundtrack.
1: They're all on Spotify and Apple Music too. So
0: yeah. end of chapter songs, I think, is the album because I added it yeah. to my library. Uh, there's a couple. It's funny because I actually pl- was playing, and at the end of chapter two, there's a song that plays, and I just like uh, you know, I'm down in my basement, my girlfriend is upstairs uh, doing work or something, and I get a text from her, and she's like, "This is a banger."
1: <laughs> yeah and i'm
0: like all right well here's how here's where she's like send send me the link and i'm like this is from a video game <laughs> so, yeah and i sent her the link and uh yeah it's in both of our libraries now but I, there's actually some stuff that happens in the game where i have gone up my, my my partner is not a gamer in any way shape or form but i've tried to explain to her why it is so cool yeah, <laughs> and it's like yeah, it's it's a mind blowing game in so many ways, and I I can't wait to play more. Unfortunately, I'm going to be away from my PS5 for most of the next four weeks. Um, yeah, uh, that, that's going to be a programming note that we have at the end here. But uh yeah, I'm going to be traveling quite a bit, and I'm bringing my Switch. But Alan Wake Two is not on Switch, so yeah. uh, it's going to be spotty if I can get through it by the end of the year. But yeah, that is one that I am super into as well. That is, if I like, my, that's my game I'm playing for fun right now. Yeah. Whereas same. these other ones were ones I checked out for the purpose of this podcast. Um, but it's yeah. just,
1: it feels like it shouldn't. Like it, Remedy's independence as an independent studio, you know, they get publishers, Epic published this. Like I, I don't think a game like this could get made in the same way. Like Remedy's in a perfect situation to make this game. It's very Remedy a lot of publishers would probably be like, what are you guys doing? This is, we can't do this. And this is way, this is supposed to be a triple A survival horror. You can't be doing this. Um, But they did it. And I'm so happy because it's just, and I haven't played Alan Wake one. I don't, I don't even, I looked up, you know, our great summary on Game Informer. So the fact that it's working for me, I think speaks even more to it. Um, I, it's, I will say the one thing that, that makes me laugh. I, I, I've spent a good amount
0: of time with Sam Lake, Like between Mm -hmm. interviews, between visiting Remedy out in Finland. Finland, yeah. uh, I consider him a friend at this point, probably. So to see him, and I know that everybody knows his face as the face of Max Payne. And to see, but, but still, regardless of that. To see his face in the game and a voice that is not Sam Lake's voice coming out of it, it it trips me up every single time. Even if it is the voice of Max Payne and everybody expects that voice who does not know him personally, it is a trip to me every last time to see Sam Lake and not hear Sam Lake voice come out of him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> nice,
1: a little, little humble brag Friends uh, with Sam Lake not meant to be a humble brag it's, not, it's just
0: something that trips me up Every single time I turn on Alan Wake 2 And I see Sam Lake's character And have uh, a different voice come out of him
1: That happens to me too When I see Hideo Kojima in games Because me and him are best yeah, buds Best and- friends
0: <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you know, Wes We're going to take our final break of this episode when we get back We're going to do two different recurring segments To wrap up the show We will be right back We are back, and it is time for Definitive Ranking, a recurring segment where we take a topic and give our personal top five lists. Since this episode was kind of about the recent games that we missed and we're playing catch up on, Wes, I want to get your top five games from 2023 that you wish you had more time to devote to. So you know the drill start at five, count it down to one, give me a sentence about each.
1: My number five is Star Ocean, uh, the remake that just came out. That's a Uh, good one. I don't know anything about Star Ocean, um, but. It's, it looks gorgeous, and it's like a sci-fi, sci-fi JRPG, and I love that combo. Um, I love the t- HD 2D art style. I love JRPGs. I love turn-based combat. Like, everything on paper is going to work for me. It's just one of the many casualties of 2023 where I have not had the time. And admittedly, it's a recent release, so, like, I'm not beating myself up too bad, but I know... And you'll hear why whenever I list these other games that I'm not going to get to it for a while, and it makes me sad because like I'm going to try to dip in because I I'm going to it's one of those games I want to see you know does it have the chops to be somewhere on one of my lists or something like that and our issue you know anything like that um, but like getting super deep into it probably won't happen until next year and I wish I had more time to play it. That is an
0: honorable mention for me because yeah. I, it was not on my radar at all, and then it came out and the reviews are just glowing. Yeah, And uh, I believe our own Kyle Hilliard is playing through it right now. And he's saying it's it's a pretty good one. So I I do have it on Switch. And like I said, I'm going to be traveling quite a bit. So I might try to fire it up at one point, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, But Um, yeah, number four.
1: My number four, Armored Core 6. Uh, Mm. I kind of already know I'm going to love this game. It's just, uh, it's a risk to my life right now because I know if I start it, As I mentioned before, I'm going to have to beat it, and I've got other things that really need to take priority over it. Um, But I can't wait. I've got buddies who are like my souls-like buddies, and they were obsessed with this game. Beat it three times to get like the true ending and all that. And everything they've said and everything I've read about this game indicates to me I'm going to love it. Uh, So at this point, I'm ignoring it because it is a risk to the rest of my plans for this year.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Armored Core is not really up my Mm. alleys too much but that is one that I wish I had time to check out but uh, just so many games
1: (laughs) yeah Um, my number three is so now we're in the realm of I'm going to play a good chunk of these more before the year's up uh, Super Mario Wonder Mm. I have played a good bit of it uh, and like I definitely have an opinion on it and I'm I thoroughly love it it's a very very great game Um, I just want to beat it and and I'm trying to 100% it as I go which slows progress a bit um But it deserves it. Like, I'm fine with doing that. I I enjoy spending an hour trying to, you know, 100% this uh, handful of levels in front of me and get all the flower coins and the um, wonder seeds. It's been a blast to play. So I know I love it. It's going to be in my top 10, even having not beaten it. Um, Assuming, and everything I've read and hearing you talk about it indicates to me like the game's only going to, it holds itself up through the entire experience. So I don't have to worry about the ending kind of, Sucking, but um, yeah, I want to I want to play more of this, and I will, but right now it's not happening, yeah, I
0: mean, I fully support one hundred percent of that game, I think it's worth doing it, even if some of the final challenges are going to be very frustrating for you yes, uh, it's there's only a couple things that I don't like about that game, but everything else is amazing i It's one of yeah. my favorite games of the year by far.
1: there's so. a um, my wife's been playing it on my switch next to me while I play Island Wake two, so it's nice watching this very, very messed up, horrific stuff happen on screen. And then I just hear Luigi, because that's who she plays as, just constantly hopping and making his noise. Um, (laughs) But she was in, I think she's in like World 2 or 3, and she was stuck on a level, and I could hear the frustration. And she said she thinks it's probably the hardest level she's ever done in Mario. And I was like, oh, okay, well... Just so you know, the final challenge in uh, the game took our Nintendo expert here like hours to beat. <laughs> and she, she she got very sad.
0: <laughs> I, I saw uh, my my friend tagged me in a comedian. I believe it was uh, it was a Joe DeRosa mm. posted a rant about how much he loves Mario Wonder. But he thought that the Bull Rush level in World 1 was like the <laughs> hardest level of all time. And I just commented like, you're not going to 100% this game. (laughs) Just wait till the final challenge.
1: Yeah. Um, My number two, same story with uh, Mario Wonder is Tears of the Kingdom. I've got like 50 plus hours in it, so I know how I feel on it. Um, But it's a game I want to take my time with and I'm not trying to like rush to the end. For sure. um, Because it sounds like I could within 20 hours roll credits, but like Breath of the Wild, I want to roll credits when I feel satisfied with everything else I've done in Hyrule, which means... And that's how I've been playing it for these 50 hours. Just if I see something that catches my attention, I go check it out. And then I'm always bewildered by it. Um, it's one of my favorite games of the year, of this Switch generation. I can't wait to play more. I have a plane ride coming up, plane ride, plane travel coming up. And I'm excited to play uh, Zelda Uninterrupted for a bit on it.
0: Yeah, I just upgraded my Switch's micro SD to one yeah. terabyte.
1: So oh, now I now.
0: <laughs> now I can just install everything and not yeah. have to worry because I had like Breath of the Wild that I like archived because I was mm-hmm. like, all right, well, that's like one of the larger Nintendo first party games. So let me just archive that. I don't know when I'm going to go back to it, but I'm like, who cares? Install everything yeah. onto my Switch and just have like this massive library of games just in the palm of my hand. It's incredible. Yeah, it's awesome.
1: The Switch rules. I'm
0: curious to see how I would feel going back to Breath of the Wild after playing Tears of the Kingdom.
1: Uh... Yeah, I wonder. Uh, I don't know. It's weird. I was thinking of like Marvel Spider-Man. I went back to Miles Morales and the first Spider-Man just to see how it felt, and they are a good bit noticeably uh, slower compared to Marvel mm-hmm. Spider-Man two, just swinging around the city. Um, so, like, I don't think I can go back to those unless I'm craving that story. But like, two wins gameplay. I'm I not do sure love how the that. Stories, though. Yeah, they're great. The Number one story, I think, is still my favorite. Um, But yeah, I'm curious how Tears of the Kingdom compares to Breath of the Wild because I don't – off the top of my head, it doesn't feel like it feels different other than the actual arm abilities. Yeah, Um, the
0: abilities I think would be the big one because it's like, okay, how do I get up there? And it's like your brain – like I I talked about in the Tears of the Kingdom like review episode where it's like you have to rewire your brain to be like, oh, I'll just fuse this weapon together or I'll just use Ultra Hand or Ascend and it's like – now you suddenly won't have those powers. And it's like, yeah. you'll have to unwire your brain now.
1: <laughs> and just climb. You got to climb everything again. Oh God. Um, but yeah, Tears of the Kingdom rules. One of the best games of the year. Can't wait to play more. But yeah, my number one is uh, a game that is, it is my White Whale of 2023 and it is Baldur's Gate 3. Oh. Um, I know I'm going to love it. I love d and I love everything I read about this game. It seems like... Uh, kind of like Elden Ring or Breath of the Wild, like a once in a once a year, maybe even a couple of years moment in gaming where it just kind of takes over and it's all consuming and it looks awesome. But it's also a game that is like 140 hours long or at best like 70 if you speed run it. And I don't want to do that because I know I'm gonna lose my lose myself to it. And I just, in 2023, like, no shot. There was just no way I was going to be able to do it. Um, in the same year that Tears of the Kingdom, another 100-hour game came out, like, it's it sucks. Like, it's a it's a embarrassment of riches, really. Um, I know I'm going to love it. I don't think I'm going to get to put in enough time to, like, have a voice on it this year. And mm-hmm. I know I'm going to be one of those losers who next year is, like... Man, Baldur's Gate 3, that's a really good game. That would have been my game of the year, (laughs) blah, 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 which sucks. Um, But such is life. I'm trying not to beat myself too much up over it. Um, I'm going to play it over the holidays and probably just let it consume my life in the early months of 2024. But yeah, it is my 2023 White Whale.
0: Yeah, that's on my list as well. It's just such a massive RPG. I think I put in like 15 hours or so of it, and I love it. But it's just there's so many other games I need to check out. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I wish I had just like two weeks where I could do nothing but play video games because that like, yeah. this is what I would play. Cyberpunk 2077, Phantom Liberty, my number five. I, it's hard for me to justify going back to a game that I, I liked okay back in uh, in 2020 when it came out. But obviously it had a lot of problems. Phantom Liberty fixes a lot of those problems and then some with a whole new campaign and everything. And I know you liked it quite a bit. So that is number five for me. Number four is an RPG that I've heard nothing but great things about. Octopath Traveler 2. That's an honorable mention for me. Yeah. yeah, that's one that I would love to have time with. I, I liked the first one just fine. I didn't finish it, but I-, I liked what I played of it. And I think there were a lot of really cool concepts at play. I'm hoping that they fixed a lot of the problems that Octopath 1 had. Uh, but I will never know, probably.
1: <laughs> it's <laughs> like number an hour game. Yeah.
0: number three resident evil 4 i hear it's one of the best remakes in a long time and uh it's a game that i would love to be able to spend time with but just haven't had a chance to number two baldur's gate 3 for all the reasons we already talked about and number one somehow beating baldur's gate 3 because i haven't even had a chance to turn this one on but it's so up my alley it's ridiculous
1: sea of stars Ah, oh, gosh that's another one i haven't uh maybe that should be on my list. Cause that's like a 20 hour star oceans last Octopath style game. And I could commit to that before the end of the year. Yeah. I would love to have time to play that before. Cause everybody who's played, it says it's amazing. Yeah. And
0: uh, I really feel like I need to play some of it. So maybe I'll play some of that on my future travels, but Wes, we're going to end this episode with an update of a, a more recent, less commonly used segment here called everybody votes. And I asked the Twitter community about the Zelda movie, and I already alluded to what the question was. I asked, which storyline will the Zelda movie adapt? So the options I gave were Skyward Sword, Ocarina of Time, Breath of the Wild, or an all original story. And uh, first, let's hear your thoughts on this.
1: I think of those, hmm. List them again
0: Skyward Sword, Ocarina of Time, Breath of the Wild, or an all original story.
1: What I want most is Majora's Mask, so I think I'll choose Ocarina out of yours. Um, I think I just think Majora's would be a really fun and wacky movie that would kind of like establish Zelda as more than just like, oh, yeah, it's that game you played. Like, I think it could get non people non Zelda fans interested in it because it's just such a wild story like on paper um, which would mean we would need Ocarina of Time first uh, which I think has its own benefits I think the the you know the two time not two timelines but like the the age jump would be fun to see happen play out on screen um, but yeah I I don't know if they would touch that I, it's that's like it might be a royalty. little too
0: weird for the mainstream right like, yeah in yeah. terms of Majora's Mask
1: they could get there one day, but yeah. they they do need to like establish some more. Here's just some standard Zelda first, which is fine.
0: That would be like if the Mario movie was like, we're just going to remake the story of Super Mario Brothers Two USA.
1: Yeah, that would be, I'd be down <laughs> with it one day.
0: Uh, I think Ocarina of Time is the most likely candidate, even though yeah. the one that makes the most sense is Skyward Sword, just because that's like the first on the timeline. So like, if they mm-hmm. wanted to build like a zelda cinematic universe like that would be the one that makes the most sense but ocarina of time the most important game on the timeline it's where the timeline branches it's you know probably the most well-known story in the zelda franchise and uh breath the wild makes sense too because that's the one that like the current generation is used to you alluded to it yourself where it's like well, what if Ganon is just kind of like this entity that is like off in the distance, just kind of this looming character that you don't really hear about or see until like the final battle. And then like maybe he's a more present figure like he is in Tears of the Kingdom in the follow-up. But also like Breath of the Wild might be kind of complicated to translate to because it's so much like flashbacks, but I don't know.
1: like it, And it's not like, I mean the story is good but like no one I don't think Breath of the Wild is beloved and remembered so fondly because of its story. It's because of the experiences we created ourselves in that and I don't think you can translate that to a movie. There's just no way. So I am
0: 100% in line with how this vote played out. So I got a couple hundred votes more than a couple hundred votes and uh, the winner by far was Original Story with 49.5% of the vote and I've leaning pretty heavily that that is going to be the route they take yeah maybe they take certain elements of certain games like maybe there's an ocarina of time maybe there's a battle with ganondorf and he turns into ganon at the end of it but like i think that it's probably going to be an original story maybe taking some elements from like some of like the games like greatest hits elements like maybe we'll have like the creation of the master sword and then also like the Ocarina is going to be in it. Maybe there's going to be like the sages that you have to rescue or whatever. But like, I think it's going to be something that doesn't follow a storyline too closely because you have to think that like a lot of those storylines follow like the, okay, we have to go here and solve these puzzles and collect this item. Now we go collect five more of this item or whatever. And like, I don't know how well that would translate. Maybe it would translate better as a TV series than it would a movie, but in a movie, like, a collectathon does not necessarily not not that Zelda is an actual collectathon like a like a, in the sense that like Banjo kazooie is, but like, you know, just having to like go here to collect this. Okay, now go here to collect this. Like we've seen that work in movies. Like that's literally what Avengers Endgame is, but like I just don't think it would work super well in the in the form of that. But that said, you could loosely adapt Ocarina of Time, and I think it would be a, a huge hit. Yeah, Uh, But that is number two, by the way, is Ocarina of Time with 35.8% of the vote. Number three is Breath of the Wild with 11.8% of the vote. And number four, a distant number four, Skyward Sword with 2.8% of the vote.
1: Yeah, I mean, no Ganon in Skyward Sword uh, is probably a tough sell for the first movie. And it is the first in like that, you know, the timeline, but that's an easy prequel layup like and movie studios love doing prequels and stuff. So, like, we could get five, six movies into this one day and they're like, we're going back to the beginning with Skyward Sword. And by that point, people are already bought into the franchise where it makes sense to not have a Ganon movie.
0: Though, you know, Demise is a pretty sweet uh, yeah. setup for Ganon, you know? So, I, I could it, see it'd it be going like, either way, but yeah.
1: It'd be like the Mario movie not having Bowser, though. You know, like, what I don't or what other villains are there for Mario? Wart? though? The, Yeah, so uh, that's yeah. That's what I said though.
0: Like that, that Majora's Mask would be like adapting Mario USA, which does not have Bowser, and it it just has like all these weird enemies that you see very few of them ever again.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: But yeah, that is this episode. Uh, Just a programming note for next week, and that is that I am going to be on vacation next week, so we are going to be pre-recording an episode of All Things Nintendo, and then actually going forward. There are going to be several pre-recorded episodes because I have a lot of travel going on in the next three to four weeks. But uh, we're going to do our best to put together some amazing shows for you, some fun uh, discussions, some fun topics. And uh, of course, that's going to lead all into the typical end of year stuff that we've done in the past two years of this podcast's existence. So I hope you guys look forward to that. But as for right now, uh, thanks for joining me for this episode, Wes.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was a fun one.
0: And thank you so much to everyone for listening. Do me a favor, if you haven't already, throw All Things Nintendo a five-star review and hit that subscribe button. If you want to get any questions or comments in, you can get in touch with me at allthingsnintendo at gameinformer.com. You can also join the Game Informer community Discord, which is a perk for subscribing to our Twitch channel even just for one month. Wes, let everyone know where they can
1: find you online. They can find me on Twitter at LeBlancWes and then Instagram and Threads and Blue Sky and all the other things at just WesleyLeBlanc. Um, You can find my work on GameInformer.com and you can hear my voice on podcasts and sometimes YouTube videos on GameInformer or YouTube.com slash GameInformer. That is our show for this week. Thank you all
0: again so much for listening. Take care. We will see you next time.